0: This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. I'm Jeb Blunt, selling author of fanatical prospecting sales EQ, Objections, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. This episode features my son, Jeb Blunt Jr., also known as JBJ, in his very first interview with Alex Goldfane, and they're going to be talking about how you can double your sales by using the humble telephone to make proactive outbound calls to your prospects and your customers. It's a fantastic conversation, and you're going to love it. Before we get started, I want you to go and check out Sales Gravy University. You can check out Sales Gravy University at learn.salesgravy.com. Sales Gravy University is the learning platform that sales organizations and sales professionals from across the globe use to hone their sales skills. Salesgravy University features a thousand hours of self-paced e-learning. These are courses that you can take anytime, anywhere, on any device. But what really makes us unique is that each week we feature courses and workshops that are taught live in a virtual classroom by our master trainers. These virtual instructor-led trainings allow you to learn in a group with people who are just like you. So you can ask questions, you can interact, and you can get coaching from your instructor. And right now, you can take your very first course on Salesgrave University for free. All you got to do is go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or go to salesgravy.com and click the e-learning tab in the top menu. Pick the course that you want, any course you want. And then when you check out, use the coupon code FREECOURSE and you'll be able to take that course for free. That's University at learn.salesgravy.com. And now, here's our conversation between Jeb Blunt Jr. and Alex goldfain on how to double your sales with proactive phone calls to prospects and customers.
1: Welcome to the Sales Gravy Blue Studio. We are here with Alex Goldfain I'm Jeb Blunt Jr., and uh, we're talking about Picking Up the Phone and Selling, which is Alex Goldfain's new book. And uh, I read this this week. It's fantastic. I think there's a lot in common with sales gravy and what Alex put out there. Uh, so I just want to kind of let you get started, introduce yourself to our audience, even though uh, they know you pretty
2: well. So uh, just give us some background on yourself. Well, thanks, Jeb. First of all, I would like to say that it's a joy and a pleasure to talk with you. And I think you might be better at this than your dad, given our early interactions. (laughs) So we'll (laughs) see what he thinks about that. Uh, It's great to talk with you, Jeff. Thank you. Uh, So the quick intro about me is uh, I run a uh, a company called the Revenue Growth Consultancy. Uh, I grow the organizations of my clients. Uh, So everything in the books and everything we're going to talk about here uh, is stuff that uh, I do. Uh, not not just to write about. Uh, and I do it not only for uh, my clients, but I also do it for my own practice. I, my consultancy uh, is a $3 million uh, company that really is built on uh, exactly the things that we talk about here. I build my business on three phone calls a day. So uh, happy to jump into any of that with you
1: well I think that puts us in a, into common ground one I am the person at Sales Gravy who is out there making phone calls every day talking to new uh, new clients old clients account managing and uh, overall trying to build the business uh, from the revenue side so I, I there's some practical things in this book that really resonated with me I, but I know that there is a, a space that you're really an expert in which is manufacturing and distributing uh, and that's a place where you have uh, focused your business can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up in sales? Is that a place where you started out? How did you become sort of the, uh, the master of that realm?
2: Yeah. So it's manufacturing distribution and also B2B service, uh, as well, engineering companies, uh, financial related companies. Uh, so, uh, they sort of became my clients, uh, when I wrote a book and it's that one evangelist marketing which was written for consumer electronics companies, because that was my clientele uh, maybe a dozen years ago. That's where I worked. And as soon as I, so I, was, a, I was a syndicated columnist for the Chicago Tribune, uh, I was a radio show host on WGN in Chicago, and it was all technology shows. And so I was working with these consumer electronics companies, and I put out that book, Evangelist Marketing, which was how to market consumer electronics. At the time, it was Palm Pilot. I don't even know if you know what that is, (laughs) John. It was that Blackberries were the most popular phones, you know, and that book came out. And all of a sudden, non-tech companies started calling me. And some manufacturers started calling me. Some distributors started calling me. Uh, I started speaking in those worlds. And uh, it, it just it went from there. What I learned was I liked it better working with family-owned operations, multi-generational family businesses are almost all of my clients, many of my clients. I do have some ESOPs now, but they started out as family businesses. Uh, and so I love companies where grandpa started it and now dad runs it and dad's kids are in it and it's been going for generations. And it's got, you know, that, that family warmth and fuzziness in it. Um, and also I think with that comes a kindness, uh, w- with customers and prospects as well. Uh, and so that's my favorite kind of companies to work with. So I've kind of stayed there for a dozen years. That's incredible. I, I, I want to go back to WGN. So what kind of shows were you hosting uh, at the radio station? I did a weekly show on uh, consumer electronics. It was called the technology Taylor show. That was my brand back in, in those days. I was in my twenties. Uh, and it was just, you know, we talked about the latest in technology. So during that show Jeb, the first iPhone came out (laughs) during that show, televisions went from tubes to flat panels, right? That's how long ago it was, right? Like the one behind you. So plasma TVs came out and then a few years later, LCD TVs came out. So it was like really in the, in the golden era of, of consumer electronics development. And I got to kind of cover it as, as quasi media, you know, and all these companies were marketing to me and they were terrible at it. They were awful at, it was, I don't know. It it was tech uh, uh, specs and speeds and it was a three eighty six SX at this many megahertz. And it was all boring (laughs) and terrible. So I started helping them. Uh, And then my wife said, you know, you could get paid for this. Uh, And she's always been smarter than me at these things. And I started working with those companies and that's how I started helping companies sell more from that radio show and, and from the newspaper column.
1: Interesting. Well, I don't want to date you or anything, but Palm Pilot and uh, BlackBerry are like scrolls from ancient text for me. Um, I was never uh, utilizing Blackberries, but that's really interesting that you were there at the beginning and you started seeing how organizations were um, really missing missing it when it came to messaging. And yeah. then you I'm moved- just glad you recognize the reference, Jack. <laughs> I do recognize it. It's uh, I, the, the thing is, I know what they are. I just don't know how to use them, but I guess it doesn't yeah, really and matter you anymore. You shouldn't ever need to, so
2: it's good. It <laughs> works.
1: Um, so, uh, so you moved... From from that space into consulting with these organizations on, you know, your evangelist marketing, so consumer technology, and then you wrote a book called Five Minute Selling, which is a a a bestseller and one of my favorite books, and it's it's we have a course on Sales Gravy University that uh, is Five Minute Selling, and people love it. So you moved from the commu- uh, consumer technologies to the space that you were talking about all these different industries is yeah. it and you brought this method to them which is how to pick up the phone and utilize different channels like text messaging email um now we have video messaging as smoke signals whatever it might be 5 minutes a day to build new business yeah. so what was the what was the eye-opening situation or eye-opening situations that led you to write Five Minute Selling with the organizations uh, you were working with. Uh,
2: so most salespeople are—we uh, tend to be reactive because our phone rings all day, right? It's not that we're sitting around doing nothing; we're busy, and all day long, customers are calling us, and uh, they rarely call when they're happy, right? <laughs> you know this—you're calling all the time, and you're you, you sell Jeb. so. Uh, customers will never call in and say, Hey man, great job. I wanted to thank you for what you're doing. Uh, can I pay you some more cause you're doing so well? We don't get those kinds of calls. What we get is you screwed it up or where is it? Or why is it so late? Uh, and so we, we tend to sell reactively and I think 90 to 95% of salespeople sell that way. The problem with that is if the right inquiries come in, You might grow that year, but if the wrong inquiries come in, you won't grow. And it's not up to you at all. You're just a pinball bouncing around from one incoming thing to the next. Now, what I realized was if we just infuse a little bit of proactivity into that, uh, otherwise totally reactive day, that's enough. We don't need hours of proactivity. We don't even need a half an hour of proactivity. We just need five minutes. That's it, what can you do in five minutes? I was just doing a webinar and uh, an attendee on that webinar who's the head of sales at his consulting company said that between 9 a.m. and 9.10 in those 10 minutes, he makes seven to 10 phone calls a day. Every single day, he makes seven to 10 calls and you said you make calls all day so you know how long this takes Jeff, right? So in five minutes, you can call a lot of people.
1: Absolutely, I mean something that we teach at SalesGravy something I do personally with prospecting and in, in following the, the five-minute you know selling method is that you can you can do about anything in five minutes any human being can set their mind onto a task for five minutes at a time in fact you could probably do it for 15 minutes at a time uh, and and triple the amount of effort you do and the thing is he says you know that that particular person says i can do seven calls in 10 minutes and somebody's like man i if, if i really looked at it i'd probably do seven calls in an hour well why is that? It's because you're taking time to research every single person you're calling, you're logging everything at that moment, you're taking uh you're taking a coffee break, you get rejected at that second call. Someone tells you no, go pound sand and you lose your motivation so you just go walk around the office with your head down. But what what I found and what you found is okay, listen, if we take 5 minutes, I can do 5 calls in 5 minutes. And a lot of that is just going to I'm just going to leave a voicemail, right? Like I'm just going to not get anybody on the phone. Now, I like to call at about 8:30 in the morning because that's that's when executives are in the office uh, and they're getting stuff done and nobody's picking up the phone and calling them at that time because they don't want to interrupt their day or be a nuisance. But nobody's picking up the phone uh, and calling those people because they feel nervous about it. But if I pick up the phone and call five people and leave five voicemails in five minutes, I've reached out to five more people than I would have if I didn't do it at all. Um, so yeah. I think that's. And
2: you Go ahead. You couldn't be more right. Uh, you, you said two really interesting things and I want to try to cover them both. Um, five voicemails in five minutes is totally doable. And, and the, so in the book, uh, there is a, a piece on when you leave a voicemail, also send a text because uh, it's a really powerful uh, sort of one, two punch so that when you send a text, you leave your voice mess. And I'll give you an example of the kind of message that's scripted out in the book. Um, Jeb it's Alex. Hope you're doing great. Listen, man, I thought of you because I have a client similar to you and they're doing some awesome things with us growing a lot. And I think some of those things would work really well for you too. Uh, So here's my number. If you have a couple of minutes, would love to connect. And of course I want to catch up too. Uh, That took less than 20 seconds. I was watching the clock. That's my voicemail. Then I put down the phone and I, I text. Now I start to text and the text says, Jeb, per my voicemail, how does your Tuesday or Thursday afternoon look? Would love to catch up. And that's it. And now the choice goes for you. It becomes... Not should I call Alex back or no, but should I call Alex back or should I text him back? Now I've given you a choice uh, of how to get back to me. And what we found statistically, Jeb, this is cool. Over hundreds of thousands of calls logged over the years, because my client salespeople, we, we take a quick note of every proactive effort so that we can track things. Out of hundreds of thousands logged, over half a million, easily over half a million calls, Two thirds will get back to you if you leave a voicemail and a text message that way. Two thirds will communicate back to, you and two thirds of those do it by text. That's fantastic. They do it by text because it's easier.
1: That's fantastic. I, it's it's something I, I just recently wrote about is that text messaging is one of those really underrated sales tools. Uh, there's a couple of different reasons I find that salespeople don't utilize text messaging. It's one, um, they don't have any familiarity with somebody, uh, so they're they're really conscious conscious of how that. Plays. I mean, if you think about text messages, if you think about text messages from people that you don't know, your your first reaction is, "Who are you, and why are you texting me?" And then, if it's a text message from a business, it's usually something really terribly scripted, like you said from those uh days at at uh at WGA. Uh, they're really terribly scripted, and they're probably from a robot. Um, but that's something that I haven't heard of before: is sending a text message with the voicemail. Uh, so dive a little bit deeper into why that text message is is so powerful in terms of creating a connection and then getting a response. Response back from from people?
2: So I think mostly, because you're calling people who you know. Uh, it's interesting, people have such a gigantic fear around picking up the phone. And you, you this was the second thing that I wanted to touch on. So we're doing it now. So you asked a great question. When you said nobody's calling those executives, because they're nervous about it, right? That's because of fear. They're, they're afraid they're going to upset the customer. They're afraid they're going to annoy the customer. They're going to get yelled at. They're mostly afraid of being rejected into their ear holes, right? It's an intimate rejection. If I call you on the phone and you tell me, no, you're doing that to my head, you know, (laughs) versus if I email you and you reject me, let's say you get the email, you see the email, you reply to the email. Those are long odds, right? Of all of that happening. Usually the response to an email is silence, right? Because when you email, you volunteer yourself into the crap with the junk into the spam filters. But let's say you reply to me and say, Alex, I'm good. I don't need that. And you reject me. There's a physical distance there. The monitor is away from my head. There's a distance from my eyes, plus it's text, plus I don't get um, the, the, the intimacy of your tone of voice in, in, into my ear. And so all of that is safer. That is why we go to email, which is the least effective selling tool but generates the least amount of fear as well. Instead of proactive calling, which is the most effective selling tool, but it's used the least. Isn't that nuts? The single most effective tool we have, proactive calling, is used the least because we're so damn afraid of it. And fear is the strongest emotion and that's what makes us avoid the phone.
1: It's it's really incredible how many salespeople will come to us and say, hey, I I emailed the prospect seven times, I, I sent them uh, you know, a, a a white paper, I sent them a LinkedIn message, I sent them three LinkedIn messages, and nobody ever got back to me. You know, why can't I, you know, how how can I go reach out to them to, that will get engagement? It's, how can I reach out to them and get engagement? It's like, dude, pick up the phone. Like those people wanna talk to a human being. Nothing makes you more transactional than treating your customer as transactional. Now, one of the things that I, I found it, it is really interesting about salespeople is that they look at a phone call or a phone the first thing in the morning, like it's got a thousand legs and eyes and it weighs a hundred pounds and it's gonna eat your hand off. <laughs> and it's because of that fear of rejection. It's because like you said, they're telling you no to your head. Uh, but yeah. I, I found that, you know, and this is different for different industries. I found that when I pick up the phone and I, I talk to an executive leader and they pick up the phone because I called them and I say something that's strong, like we have a, a method here that I like to use, you know, hey, oh, hey, you know, hey Alex, is Jeb Blunt Jr. at Sales Gravy. The reason I'm calling is just to get some time on your calendar Because I work with organizations like yours to build their pipeline more effectively so they can close more revenue. Let's meet next Tuesday at 2. And that's just our method of of calling those folks. Mm -hmm. When I call them with a reason and I, I speak with confidence, almost all of them will respect me. And if they don't, I don't really want to work with them. But almost all of them will respect me enough to say, you know, no, Jeb, I'm not good with this. They don't give me some horrible rejection. They don't give me some terrible like, you know, you need to go walk off a cliff or anything like that. People will have a conversation with you. But there's horrible stories out there and you talk to the wrong people and you say the wrong thing or you don't know what you're going to uh, what value you actually bring to that client you end up in a trap where you're getting rejected, not because they don't want to work with you, but because you didn't bring value to them. And, uh, and then you feel like you, you feel like it's their fault that, that they didn't want to work with you. So that's something that I find a lot with sales folks. I, I want to move to uh, a, a question that I have, particularly for you. Um, I was listening to uh, another podcast that you were on and you have a really interesting uh, way of going about talking to folks you already know. Whether that's somebody who's bought from you or somebody in your network, uh, and it's the, the call that you say, "Hey, uh, how are you doing?" So uh, you told a really interesting story about one of uh, one of your people who who did that, and, and she responded uh, kind of like biting off his head because she she gets, uh, she gets uh, calls from salespeople all the time. Dive a little deeper into what that does for a salesperson in their sales day if they're calling people that they know or have worked with and just asking them how they're doing.
2: Sure. Uh, Sorry, you're hearing my office mate there. I don't know if you could hear that or not. Uh, So most people, as soon as they hear, make a call, assume that it's a cold call. That's how afraid we are. And that's how um, all of this negativity we have about cold calling uh, that boils down to, I hate getting cold calls. I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm not saying you should cold call. I'm saying you should call people who you know. And I acknowledge that some people have to cold call, right? Some people, that's the job, right? It sounds like you might have to do some cold calling, right? That's so I I get it. Some jobs, you got to cold call. But also, all of us know hundreds of people, you know? We all know who would recognize us or, at a minimum, Recognize the company name. So when you call executives and you say sales gravy, and they recognize that job, that's enough. You know, you've you, you've got a a uh, anchor point there that you can then build your conversation around. So the story you're referring to, I think, uh, from this other podcast, is uh, a salesperson client of mine uh, stood up in a workshop and told his story of calling uh, one of his customers. And he had, we had talked about it previously and he said, you know, I'm just not connecting with this customer and we're just not hitting it off. And we're, we we, we seem to be sort of butting heads. He goes, what should I do? And I said, call her. And I he said, well, what, okay. Well, what should I say? Says, I say, hello, <laughs> talk to her like a human. And so he did that to his credit. And then we were at a workshop and he stood up and he told the story and he said, Alex, I called her. And I said, what happened? He said, uh, she picked up the phone and he said, uh, hi, Jennifer, it's Mike. Uh, And she said immediately, what's wrong? (laughs) And he said, nothing's wrong. I'm just calling to see how you're doing. And I wanted to connect. And she said, what do you need? Because that's the only time people call her, right? They call her when something's wrong or they need something. The only time people hear from a salesperson is when something's wrong or they need something. That's why she said those things. What's wrong? What do you need? And then for the third time, he said, nothing's wrong. I'm just calling to see how you're doing and where I can help. And then there was this long pause, he said. It was about 30 seconds went by, silence. And he thought maybe they had lost the connection. And then he heard her say this word. Really? Nobody calls me like that. Nobody ever calls me like that. And he said they talked for 20 minutes. They had a great connection. And then she gave him 20 additional line items. Uh, over the next month or so. I said, did you get any business on that call? He said, no. I said, when did it come? Because I assumed when you break through that, I sort of just knew that the business would come. I said, when did it come? And he said, within about the next month, I got 20 new line items. So that's the power of proactively calling. You the definition of proactive for our purposes, right? So the book is called pick up the phone and sell. And the subtitle there is how proactive calls to customers and prospects can double your sales for our purposes. The definition of a proactive call is when nothing is wrong, when there is no problem. Cause that's the only time we call is when there is a problem. When we show up without a problem, magic happens. You're the only one showing up that way. Look at it. everybody's sitting by the phone, but nobody's calling them. When you call, we assume their phones are ringing off the hook. That's not the case. Nobody's called. So when you call, you are the only one. It makes you stand out, and it's not a difficult crowd to stand out from.
1: I 100% agree with you. I kind of want to pivot to an area that you talk about a lot in your books, and and we we referenced a little bit earlier, is that the mindset around calling and, and proactive calling is they, they approach it like a cold call. And something you write in your book is, you know, there really is no such thing as a cold call. Um, you talk about, you know, being able to connect with somebody on a human level, but how can people start shaping their mindset around these proactive calls to approach it from a, from a different perspective than, you know, I got to reach out to need something, or I've got to reach out to sell them something. I've got to reach out to to do whatever, except for listening. So how do people Mm -hmm. change that mindset that they, that they have about, about their proactive efforts?
2: Yeah, think about your calls uh, not as selling calls or as cold calls or as pitching calls. Think of them as relationship calls. Think about yourself being at a bar with a buddy, if that's something that you do, and if you don't go to the bar, maybe you're just you know hanging out in the backyard or uh, over over dinner. Um, you're just talking to a friend, you know. So what do you talk to a friend about? You 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 ask about their family. You ask about their lives. You ask how the trip went that that they were just on. Uh, you 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 see about the kids. You talk about sports. Uh, you don't have to talk about all of those things, but it, it, it just, when you imagine you're talking to a friend, it becomes a, a comfortable conversation. You know, you kind of put your feet up. It's the advantage by the way of a phone versus uh, a, a zoom conversation, right? Like we're having now uh, it's that you can be comfortable. If I'm on the phone, I could be walking around my office, right? I pace back and forth. I hold a baseball bat, right? There's the bat behind me there. Um, so Think about it like you're talking to a friend and you're just looking for places where you can help. So I help my clients grow their sales. My typical client adds 15 to 30% now annually in new business. Um, That's all I do is I work with salespeople about selling more, but I almost never say the word sell in my day. What I say 100 times in my day is the word help. I'd like to help you with that. Where can I help? I want to help you with that again. It's been a little while. I'd like to start helping you again. And what you find when you use the word help one, it's impossible to get mad at you. (laughs) Nobody's going to say to you, how dare you try to help me and make my life easier ever. The other thing you find is you're the only one doing it that way. Nobody else is doing it. And people will say, Oh my God, right? Jeb junior wants to help me. I don't have anybody like that. And they will literally look for ways to reward you for your effort so that they can pay you for it. They'll almost feel like they owe you if you show up to try to help them. Have you experienced that, Jeb?
0: I hope you're enjoying this amazing conversation between Jeb Blood Jr. and Alex Goldfane. You know, if you're listening to this podcast episode, it's likely that you are a person who is looking to gain a competitive edge. And that's why I'm so enthusiastic about Sales Grave University, it's a different type of platform, which is why so many salespeople from across the globe use Salesgrave University to hone their sales skills. At Salesgrave University, you can learn from people like Alice Goldfain, Anthony Andarino, Mark Hunter, Colleen Francis, Kendra Lee, and so many others. Plus, our master trainers are teaching live courses every single week where you can, you can go into a virtual classroom and be there with people who are just like you, ask questions, get coaching, interact. I want you to go check it out. Go to learn.salesgravy.com, that's learn.salesgravy.com, and you can take your first course for free when you use coupon code course. Now back to our conversation with Alice Goldfain and Jeb Blunt, Jr.
1: 100%, and I've also experienced the other side where I didn't have those conversations, where I didn't practice those things, and it's, it's a world of difference in the conversations and just the relationship that you build with other folks. I, I was thinking about, as you were speaking, I was thinking about uh, Anthony and uh giant in the field and, and I can call him my friend. He'd said so on LinkedIn, go check it, go check it out. Um, but he, he talks about a level three versus a level four conversation. And if you don't know what that is, go, go check out his stuff. It's, it's really important, but it gets to the point of what you're saying is that when you are proactively reaching out to somebody, when you're proactively going th- out there and saying, Hey, I want to help you. Right. I'm here to help you. You you are positioning yourself to be an expert, to be a, a consultant, and you're you're out there to not you're not reacting, like we talked about. You're not being reactive, where they come to you and say, Hey, I have a challenge. Can you help me with it? You're you're already going to them and saying, Hey, you might have this challenge in the future. Let me help you solve it before it even happens. And the value that you bring as that sort of salesperson. Yeah is worlds beyond every other salesperson that you are competing against. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you said, they're going to say things like, you know, I really appreciate what you did for me and they're going to feel like they should pay you at what you're worth, rather yeah. than that level 3 conversation where you're reacting to them saying, "Hey, I've got this problem, can you help me?" and and you're picking up the phone saying, "Yeah, I can do that," and then they're haggling with you over what you're worth mm. because you didn't bring the value to begin with. And yeah. Like you said, 90 to 90% 5% of salespeople aren't doing that. And I'm at fault for that. Those conversations are totally different. You know, as a young salesperson um, one of the issues that I have is you're being confident enough to call someone like Alex back and say, Hey, uh, I, I won the business with you before I want to help you keep solving that, that problem or what else is on your wish list that I can help you solve. Um, Where, where uh, you know, as, as experienced folks like you would know that you have to do that all the time every single day.
2: You know, you're, you're exactly right, Jeb. And when you show up proactively like that, you touched on this just now, when you show up and say, where can I help? What you're, you're doing something incredibly valuable for that person. You're saving them from having to think about it again in the future. They don't have to think about it in two weeks or in a month when it becomes a crisis, when it becomes urgent, you're offering to help them with it. Now, uh, and that's incredibly valuable. You're saving them the time and the worry in the future. And people don't have people like that in their lives, you know? So if you're just that way for somebody, they're going to grab onto you and they'll never let go. I, I I can't tell you enough how different
1: that relationship is. And you said they'll grab and hold on to you. I have folks that I did a really good job of going out and proactively working with them and becoming that consultant, and they still work, it's been 18 months, and they're, I've been in sales for 18 months, so uh, I know it's not a long time for some folks, but it's a long time for me, is that those folks have been working with me since day one. In the same breath, I will tell you that I had not, I have not done that with some folks and I paid the price for it because they didn't hold on to me and I didn't go out and reach out to them. And I am ha- still trying to get back in, in the circle and be connected with them. And I'm leaving my services on the table. I, I, it's my obligation as a salesperson, what I do to help their business. And because I wasn't that consultative person for them, I wasn't that person in their lives that they call and say, Hey, Jeb, what do you think about this? Right. And I don't call them and say, hey, hey, I saw this on the news. How can I help you? You know, I'm not back in. It's, it's a lot harder to continue those relationships. Yeah. And you're costing yourself, you know, billions of dollars potentially over your sales real career. Money. Real money.
2: Real money. Real, real money. And you're, you're costing it for your company and also for, for your family. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's all because of this uh, huge amount of fear that we feel. You know, fear is the strongest emotion. And it rules over everything. So the reason most companies can't get their people to make proactive calls like this is they don't address the fear. You've got to, address, you can't just say, so we're going to make 10 calls a day now. Well, but I'm afraid of that. They're going to reject me into my ear. You know, that's stronger than you have to make 10 calls a day. Um, so we have to deal with the fear. We have to address it. We have to recognize it. We have to tell people how to overcome it, what to do about it. Uh, the book covers that. And I think that emotional piece of it is really, really important.
1: There's a, there's a line in your book and it's very early on. It's on your title as well. You can, can double your sales, but you, you write, what would 25, 50% more sales mean to you if you were able to increase your activity, what would that mean to you? And I love that question. I want you to dive a little bit into that because it connects how this practice and what you talk about in this book has real results for you as a salesperson.
2: Yeah, well, a lot of people deserve for you to make these uncomfortable calls, you know, and the people that deserve for you to do this work are, are you know, your family, who, who actually we spend less time with than we do with our jobs. You know, we'd spend more time at work. Uh, also, your customers deserve these calls because they would like to benefit from your value more and because you're better than the competition. And when we don't make these calls, we're hurting our customers because we're having them go to the competition now for these other things that we can do for them. Um, I think your prospects deserve for you to make these calls because right now they're suffering through the competition, again, which is not as good as you. They don't do what they say they're going to do like you do. They, they aren't available like you are uh, on the evenings and on the weekends. Um, they, they, they aren't fast to deliver like you are. So, you know, and the number one person who deserves uh, for you to make these calls is you you know, circling back around to your question. Uh, You work really, really hard. Uh, You take risks. Uh, Nobody gets rejected more than we salespeople do, right? We're in a business of rejection. Our life is to be rejected. Um, In baseball, Jeb, right? You fail 70% of the time, you go to the Hall of Fame. You're one of the best. In sales, it's less than that. We, you know, the, the success rate is less than that. The rejection is more than that. Uh, so, if we succeed 10 to 15% of the time, 20% of the time, you're one of the best, the very best. That means 80 to 90%, if you're one of the best, 80 to 90% are telling you no all day long. And so, we need to walk through those rejections to get to the yes. The rejections are prerequisite to the yes. If you're not getting them, you're not going to get the yeses. So when you make these calls, you increase your odds, you increase your batting average, you know, yes, you'll get rejections, but you'll also get a lot of yeses. And that's the work.
1: You deserve I, I, that. I agree 100% as a salesperson in whatever business you're in, how, as a salesperson, I would choose, first of all, how I would choose the business I'm working in. I, I'm saying this for, for young people who are trying to get into their careers. Work for a company, when you're evaluating them, work for a company that fits your values. Work for a company that, if, if at all you can, provides a service that you can get behind, that you can you can believe in, that does good work for their for their clients once you do that if you're in an organization that you believe in then you must understand it is your obligation every day to wake up and go talk to people because what you do drives their business growth and drives drives their revenue and drives their success and that should be your obligation but at the same time i like the way you flip that you deserve you deserve to play in those fields and, and like you said, in, in baseball, you have a, you just fail 70, 70% of the time you're in the hall of fame in sales. If you're in you know, so if you close 20% of your business, you're like the number one salesperson in your organization. Um, you have to be as a salesperson, you have to be willing to have doors closed in your face uh, to open up new ones. And that's just yeah. the way it is. If you never go knock on doors, you'll never open one and, uh, yeah. and then you'll, you'll fail. And, and that's what we preach here at sales gravy. But there's a, a piece of your book that I want to get to, which is, um, which is time blocking. So talking about how you do this, the five-minute selling method, but also combining this with picking up the phone and selling. Yeah. You know, how, do people do this on Fridays? Do they do it
2: uh, on Tuesdays? When do you think you should be doing these proactive calls? So in terms of time in the day, they should be first thing in the morning, which we've already touched on. Uh, I think that the time to do uncomfortable work is when you have your your maximum possible energy and focus to overcome your discomfort with it and your fear with it to, to make the calls. Uh, so I think first thing in the morning, you said 8.30, you know, um, it, 8, 9, that's the window. That's the ballpark. Uh, what day you should do them on, I think you should do them consistently. You know, you should do them um, daily. You should make it a part of your daily habit. Uh, I think I told you, I run my business on three calls a day. Three calls a day is about 800 in a year. So five calls a day is 1300 in a year. And in the book, that's, that's all really, I say, make between three and five. It's all you need a day that will often take five minutes as we've already discussed. Right. Um, we said two thirds, will communicate back. So when I make my three calls a day, 780 is the exact number in a year two-thirds of that is about 530. I don't need any more conversation and communications than 530 times in a year. I work solo by myself, right? Running a, a, a sizable consulting practice. That's all I need. When it slows down, I up it to five a day. First thing in the morning, I get them done, and then it's like you've exercised that day. You know? I feel good. I go on to my other work, which sometimes is reactive. It's my, it's, uh, you know, speeches and webinars and training and everything else I do. But I know I've done my business development work. I know I'm feeding my family and that's the point of the work.
1: I, absolutely. I was waiting for the Mark Twain quote, right? So uh, if you have to eat a frog and you've got, you can't see it behind me, but I've got a sign over here, eat the frog. Uh, Mark Twain says, it, you know, if you got to eat a frog in the morning, uh, or if you got to eat a frog, eat it early in the morning, because it's not going to be better late in the afternoon. And you have to eat two frogs, eat the biggest one first, right? That's right. Every That's single right. day, every day. And that was sort of a leading question because uh, my answer would be every day, every day, every day, you have to be the salesperson who goes out there and makes calls. And like you said, the best time to do that is when you are up and awake you've had your cup of coffee you have your most energy because when you are in that position your brain is better at handling rejection than Mm -hmm. if you wait to the end of the day at 4 or 5 p.m i mean i've tried to make prospecting calls at the end of the day somebody rejects me and i give up right like it's just because (laughs) your brain (laughs) is your brain is just not uh, equipped to handle that after you've done all of a day's work right do it early in the morning and it's like going to the gym it will always kind of suck but once you do it early in the morning, yeah. it's like I've got it done. I ate the frog. I can move on. All and right, you're well, not going to get any less busy at two o'clock. You're not going to you know. get any less busy at two o'clock. Uh, last night I was out, you know, working until eight thirty because that's what life is like in sales. You just have to embrace that grind. And I was, you know, working with clients until eight thirty. But the 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 deal is, if I try and make prospecting calls at eight thirty at night versus eight thirty in the morning, I'm going to be way less successful. Well, Alex, yeah, totally. I. I I appreciate your time. And I love, I love this book. Uh, I'm a big proponent of it. I read it this week. Again, it's it's a fantastic book for any salesperson, but if you're young, like me figure out how to do this stuff early, because if you don't, you're going to end up making mistakes that will bite you uh, for years to come. Uh, Any last, you know, thoughts that you want to drive home in terms of what your book is about and, and what the audience should glean from it.
2: Sure, I have thoughts, but I also have a question for you that I want to make sure we ask. Uh, I, I would love to ask you this question before we we stop our conversation, if that's okay with you. It's um, good with me. Because I, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on this. Uh, my, my, my final thoughts on the book are uh, the phone, as we started our conversation with, is the single most effective tool that we have. And it's the most underutilized tool also. It's the most effective and the least used. So if we can show up for our customers and ask them how we can help them and tell them that we're thinking about them, we're going to be the only ones. And when you stand out, you will get the business. If you won't get it on that call, meaning if there's no itch, when you show up to scratch, you will get it later when the itch comes because they're going to think to themselves, well, geez, I need this thing, right? That Jeb can help me with. I didn't need it then, but he's the only one that called me. He's the only one that showed up. He's the only one who gave a damn. And then they're going to say, huh, who should I call? The one who cares or the one who I haven't heard from in three years? They're going to call the one who showed up. They're going to call you. It will feed the machine. Proactive calls feed the machine. So lead with your calls. Make it the tip of your spear, the tip of your selling spear. Don't make the call the last thing, meaning don't lead up to the call, right? With emails and texts and LinkedIn messages and all that stuff. Make the call the first thing. Make it first in your process and make it first in your day. And you will find your business shooting through the roof. Those are my last words on call on on the book. Can I ask you my question now? You can ask me your question now. Whenever I talk about this in workshops, which is frequently, and now thankfully, thank goodness they're in person again, Um, somebody in every session will raise their hand, some owner, right? Will raise their hand and, and they'll say, What about young people? Young people won't use the phone. Young people don't want to use the phone. my guys my you know my young folks they they won't do it, and I know what my answer to that is, but I was curious about what you have to say about that as a young salesperson
1: uh well, I get this question a lot uh, people ask me, you know hey, I've got a bunch of young salespeople are you using a phone? How do we get them to use the phone or how do we get them to do their particular job? Uh, because it doesn't seem like they're very interested in that, in that thing, especially when it comes to outbound prospecting. And I'll look at any owner, any CEO, anybody in sales right in the face and say, it's not a generational thing. Every salesperson was young and every salesperson doesn't want to pick up the phone. It has nothing to do with whether or not they're 23 or they're 53. Like people just are fearful of that rejection. I'll also say this, there is something, uh, there's some sort of bias that, that, we've been telling ourselves over the last 20 years and you know, it's that young people are addicted to their phones or they, they only want to do passive, um, you know, asynchronous communication via text or, uh, LinkedIn or whatever it might be social media. I've found that there's been a resurgence and some sort of, um, I guess, I guess revolt against that idea. And And in young salespeople, we recognize that we are very good at those other channels. We're very good at the LinkedIn. We're very good at the social media. We're very good at the text messaging because we grew up with it and we have comfort there, but we recognize that it's not the same as the conversations we have when we get somebody on the phone. And if you are a young salesperson, you have to understand that yourself. We, you can be comfortable with sending a text message. Take Alex's advice, make the phone call, leave the voicemail, shoot a text message. And, you know, because you're comfortable with those other channels, you can use those to your strength, but rely on the phone. It is the most effective way to speak with to speak with folks. I've never found uh, any conversation I've had asynchronous or asynchronously that led to a deeper relationship uh, more so than the phone, which is a synchronous uh, communication yeah. channel. And at any, at, at any time, if I'm, if I'm a, a a coach, if I'm, if I'm a CEO of an organization or coaching someone in those organizations saying, Hey, my, how do I get my young salespeople to get on the phone? Well, they, utilize what they're good at. Take those, take those asynchronous channels that, that those text messages, those emails and say, Hey, if you get a response back, right? Because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for no rejection. They're looking for less friction. So if you get a response back, utilize that and move it to a phone call. Get them there first. Get them to to recognize that the phone call is is a way to go. And then once mm-hmm. they start picking up the phone and calling those folks after they've responded, they'll start to utilize the phone first because it cuts out so much time. Right, you mm-hmm. could save yourself hours, hours of time if you just go to the phone first rather than try and pick up an email or shoot them a LinkedIn message or a text, yeah. or whatever it might be.
2: You want to know what my answer to that guy is? I, I thought your answer is great, because um, you're right. It's not a generational thing. But so my answer is, guess who's the most effective at implementing proactive calls at organizations uh, across all of my clients, across all these years? It's young people. Young people are the most successful. The ones you assume don't want to do it or won't do it, when you give them a system and a process, it's not that they don't want to use the phone. It's that nobody's ever really shown them how. You didn't grow up with it. Uh, when, when your dad and I were growing up and we wanted to talk to our friends, that's all we had. All we had was the phone. We'd call them. Want to talk to grandma, grandpa. We call them on the phone. That's all there was. Um, when we give salespeople a process and some language and a method, young people are the ones who have, uh, the growing lives, you know, the growing families, right? They want a bigger house. Um, you want to travel, you want to do things. Um, you need more money. You need to sell more. That's who runs with it. That's who does the best. The most successful with these proactive calls are young people. It's just that you discount them from step number one, right? Before we ever start, you did, but they don't want to, not that they don't want to. They just don't really know how. And you're discounting them. Show them how. And they run with it.
1: I I, I 100% agree. I I was actually coached on this by by Jeb senior yesterday, because I, I made a couple of mistakes as a young salesperson. And he was just giving me some 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 feedback. And he said, there is there's a problem that you have, but it's not a problem, problem. It's just a young salesperson problem. It's that you are so eager to help people that you end up saying yes to too much, and you're the you're the person out there who's trying to solve mm-hmm. every problem. Now that's something you learn over time, and it's something I deal with. But young, you're right. Young salespeople are the best at implementing these things with the process because we are so eager. to to do a good job and we have to sell more. There's so many pressures on us to do well that we actually are the main movers in a business uh, early on. So I I 100% agree with you. And I'm glad that there's somebody on our side. (laughs) Glad that there's somebody out there who's advocating for us. Totally.
2: Yeah. Cause it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they they assume that you won't and that you don't want to, Uh, you want to, you just don't really exactly know how, cause that person doesn't even show you how, cause he just assumes you don't want to. And then it all becomes self-fulfilling and now young people don't want to make calls. Young people do want to make calls. Absolutely. And, uh, the book is how. So, it is.
1: so uh, tell us where we can find, pick up the phone and sell how to pro- how proactive calls to customers and prospects can double your sales. Where can we find it? And where should people go to, to find more information about you?
2: Yeah. So you can buy the book, wherever books are sold. It's uh, published by Wiley, just like your dad's books are. Um, and so you can go to Amazon uh, you can go to Barnes and Noble, you can go to books a million, you can go wherever you go. Uh it, uh, it, it, launches, uh, well, as, as we sit and talk to each other now, it launches, uh, 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 next week, which is the, uh, 22nd of September, but that whole week you should be able to order and buy it. Uh, as far as learning more about my work and the consulting work that, that I do for clients, it's at my website, which is goldfane.com. My last name goldfane.com. There it is on the book, G O L D F A Y N. Uh, and the consulting work is there. The speaking work is there. Uh, the training work is there. Uh, and that's where to go. Awesome. Well, everyone go pick
1: up, uh, pick up the phone and sell. Uh, and it, it is Jeb Blunt Jr. signing off from the Sales Gravy headquarters in the Sales Gravy Blue Studio. Thank you so much to Alex Goldfain for being here with me today. Uh, we will see you all soon.
0: I hope this conversation inspires you to go pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone because the more people you talk with, the more you're going to sell. And if you enjoyed this, this interview, please do me a favor and go to LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or wherever, connect with Jeb Blunt Jr. and let him know. This was his very first interview ever, and I'm a really proud dad because he crushed it, but I think he'd like to hear from you as well. And make sure you check out Salesgravy University. You can check us out at learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. And you can take your very first course for free when you use coupon code FREECOURSE.